Hello and welcome to the Dobcast. I'm Erica Stacey and in this episode I'm super excited to be speaking with Ben Teo. Ben is passionate about digital and training so he's a perfect fit for the Dobcast. With a background working in non-profit and community organisations, Ben has hands-on experience working with a range of people, assisting them to develop the skills required to actually be online. We can easily get stuck in the mindset that everyone is online, but that's not necessarily the case. And in this episode, I chat with Ben about what digital accessibility and inclusivity actually mean, the dangers of relying solely on digital data, practical things marketers and business owners can do to make their online presence as inclusive as possible, and more. Ben also shares with us what he is learning at the moment and the one skill he recommends people develop to be prepared to do their best online. Thanks for joining me today, Ben. I'm really excited to chat to you on the Dobcast. Now, I've known Ben for... I really should look at how many years I don't I know because I always a, try this introduction. Yeah. I'm like, I don't know, but it feels like a long time. Maybe six years or so. Probably. Yeah. So through the social media Adelaide community and just yep. general digital Adelaide That's area across paths yeah. back when you were working at Connecting Up yep. and you've gone through a few different roles since then. And we, we obviously talk about community a lot in regards to digital and online, mm. but you are literally bringing digital to the community in pretty much all of your roles. Yeah, well, that's exactly right. So I guess my current work history has always been connected with either working with people or working with technology. And where I'm lucky, it's the two come together. So at, at a personal level, I really love the idea of using tech to create community but also then empowering people in the community to use tech to, you know, connect with others, to do what they need to do, whether it's finding work or whether it's applying for jobs or looking up movie times, all of that stuff. (laughs) All the important stuff. All the important stuff, yeah. And one of the other things I do want to mention as well that Ben has one of the best LinkedIn headlines that I've seen. (laughs) (laughs) Lifelong learning, digital inclusion, community building. And I think that really sums it up, doesn't it? Yeah, and that's um, exactly the space that I'm working in now. So um, I work for the City of Marion um, in the libraries, and that role is really a mixed bag. So most recently I've been working in the area of digital inclusion and digital literacy. And I guess that came from uh, my experience at Connecting Up, where I was working in those social media circles. But we were also doing a lot of training for not-for-profit organisations, and the more time we spent with them, it was clear that there were people who were put in roles where they needed to be technology savvy, but they weren't. The more time we spent with them, the more I realised that this was actually an issue, not just within that sector, but in Australia itself. So I've readjusted my focus in my career to really work in that digital literacy and digital inclusion space. So now working in the libraries, we're really at that cold front of people needing help in using technology. So we have people come to the libraries asking for help on everything from, you know, how to write a CV to using spreadsheets um, to small businesses coming asking questions about social media strategy and writing for social media or just coming to use our public PCs because they don't have a computer at home. So working in libraries is a really interesting space. Yeah, and I think from a marketing perspective, it's 
so important because I think we sometimes get in that danger of it's a really weird expression, but it kind of works like drinking our own bathwater. I think I'm using that yeah, correctly. Like yeah. as, as marketers, we get fed all these stats and big statements like everyone's online, mm. no one's watching free-to-air TV anymore, everyone's streaming, particularly even in regards to, you know, the young people and millennials who yeah. know how to do everything online and they're not seeking information anywhere else. But it's not entirely the case, is it? No, so I guess from a library perspective, we're still seeing people borrowing DVDs and Blu-rays and CDs. Even though we offer digital services, our bread and butter is still that physical media. So people are still borrowing magazines, they're still reading books, they're still wanting that physical copy of whatever they want access to. For us, I guess that shows that there are those people who may choose not to be online or they may choose not to stream something from Netflix and that's fine. But when it comes to the digital literacy side of things, there are people who, even if they wanted to, they can't because of certain barriers. And there's been some great research done in that space about how inclusive we are as Australians. So that comes through the Australian Digital Inclusion Index. You've given me a little bit of background previously regarding that report and what the information is based on and some of the findings of that. Can you share some of those? Yeah, sure. So uh, the index was uh, started back in 2014 by uh, Swinburne University and Telstra and a few other partners. And they did some research on what it means to be an inclusive society when it comes to digital media and looking at the digital divide. And in 2016, they released their first report and they've had annual reports since. But basically, they used three main Uh, ways of measuring inclusion. One is access, which means do I have a phone which can access the internet? Am I connected at home? Do I have the ability to actually get on and do things online? The next part is uh, the affordability. So looking at how much of my take-home paycheck is used to pay for internet access uh, and also how much am I getting for my dollars. So how much data do I get for my money? So there's that discussion. And then the third part is digital ability. So even if I can get online and I have access, am I confident in actually using different types of websites, different apps? Uh, Can I go on Facebook? Can I comfortably read a blog, understand news? So all of that sort of thing. And it's also attitude towards digital media. Do I even want to be here? Am I confident in finding help? So there's that digital ability aspect. So with those three measurements, they come up with a score out of 100. And interestingly, Australia nationally only ranks 60.2 out of 100. So it's fairly low. So I guess what does that mean for a marketer? I guess like you were saying, in the marketing circles, you could think of somebody who is, they've got a phone, they've got, a laptop, they've got a tablet, they've got internet at home, they've got internet on the go. So anyone who accesses the internet daily, if they can confidently use multiple apps, multiple websites, if they're getting a pretty good deal for their internet connection and their data, that person is actually ranked at 100 points. So I guess my experience working in the marketing circles and you know the social media circles, that is pretty common. That sort of person you could look around a room and say, yep, we're all fairly similar. So 
unfortunately, that is not the norm across Australia. So if you think that sort of level is 100, everyone else is at 60. Um, actually, in South Australia, we're the lowest across the country. So we're really? at 57.4. Yeah, and then if you drill down further, if you look at groups like Indigenous Australians, seniors, people with low incomes in education, they rank even lower. So from a marketing perspective, the reality is that the person that you are creating digital content for isn't like you. <laughs> They're not probably as savvy as you are on IT. They probably don't use devices in the same way that you use devices. So really taking a step back and thinking about the user and what is their experience, what are they comfortable doing. In libraries, we still need to explain to people how to use the old hamburger menu. What do those three lines mean? Like you click here and there's yes. more options. So I guess from a marketing perspective, if you're creating content, if you're developing websites, if you're even looking at building apps, what does that look like for your end user and not for you and your other digital marketing friends. <laughs> <laughs> and we've been talking about target audiences a lot recently, both yeah. on a few of these episodes and some of the other events and workshops that we've been running and how important it is to understand. And I guess I'm in danger of this sometimes as well because we often look to our digital analytics to get information about mm. our users and that's obviously only looking at the people who are already online. So we you know, use things like Facebook's Insights and Facebook Ads Manager audiences and Google Analytics audiences but really that's only telling us part of the story of the people who are able to access the online space, not necessarily those who aren't there as well. Do you have any other resources that you would suggest people look to with trying to better understand aspects of their audience who might not necessarily be as digitally savvy or online? You just need to be smart about how you generate your leads and actually having conversations with the people who come through your doors or the people that you engage with and just ask them about you know, how did you find out about us? You know, how did you hear about us? Why did you come along? I'm trying to work out why someone commits and why someone mm. doesn't. I think sometimes we can rely on digital, digital data too much. We can, like it's too easy to fire up Google Analytics and look at your bounce rates and go, okay, well, let's make some guesses about what's happening here. But where you get real value is actually having conversations with people. You're talking about being actually social, aren't you? Yeah, actual <laughs> engagement, face-to-face. -face. When we say like understanding customer, like really getting to know them. I think, you know, in the marketing circles, like the idea of personas gets thrown around and you generate this persona and it's like, well, why don't you just go and talk to a person, <laughs> ask them the questions and instead of having a persona, just have this is, this is Steve who comes into our into our library every day. This is who he is and what he's after. And you can do that by just asking. And I guess in, in regards to understanding those audiences and also some people who potentially fall outside of that 100 point, mm. 100 point, 100 percent? 100 point, yeah. That, that 100 point category. The people who you're speaking to and providing assistance with, are they generally seeking assistance or are you finding that they need that assistance? Um, I'm not wording this very well. I guess I'm trying to understand, like, is... Is there a level of potential like fear or embarrassment amongst some of those people who realise they don't have the understanding? Yeah, most definitely. So there is, I guess, a taboo if you don't know how to do things. And I think you'll find that in different demographics. So when we talk about digital literacy, often it's assumed that it's seniors who don't know how to use technology. But the reality is we've had people in our workshops who are 
you know, school leavers or, you know, mid-20s, early 30s, and they are fine using Facebook or the apps on their phone, but as soon as you put them in front of a spreadsheet, they're completely lost. A lot of the news we hear is about how millennials are digital natives and just because of the year they're born in, obviously they know how to do everything with technology. It's and just, they're all on Snapchat as well. Yeah, <laughs> and it's just not the case. Digital literacy is very contextual. So if you don't need to know how to use a spreadsheet, that's fine because you don't need it. But as soon as you do need it, you need to learn that. And that doesn't matter how old you are, what background you have. If you don't have experience with that specific tool, you need to find help. And it's okay to find that help. So the people coming through the libraries, it's a real mix. So we have a range of ages, a range of reasons why people want to come along to our courses. Yep. So there is, I guess part of that is recognising that you need that help and then looking for where you can find it. Yeah, and that tends to be libraries. Providing a great service for the community. So get down to your local library. Um, <laughs> one of the other things we, you mentioned, particularly in regards to the hamburger menus, and it's something that I've found amongst even family and friends of mine as well as other people in, in the community, is a lot of people, and this kind of goes in line with some of the stats, a lot of people are accessing the internet much more from mobile devices. Yeah. But some people are accessing the internet solely from mobile devices to the exclusion of desktop and laptop computers, which also affects how they potentially know how to interact with some online resources as well. Yep, you're 100% right. So some more research that came out was that 4 million Australians are mobile only. So that's, um, if you take all of the Australians who are using the internet, that's one in five of them are solely on mobile. And again, that's various demographics. So we had an older couple come into our introductory to email workshop and they said, look, we're just here to get more tips. We know how to use email. And I said, fantastic. I handed out laptops to everyone and gave everybody a mouse. And they sat there for the whole session really confused about what was happening. And as I was going and chatting to them, I noticed they were holding the mouse upside down. They were struggling with windows. I had a chat with them and they said their whole experience of email that they're confident in is on their iPad. Again, as marketers, you need to think, you know, what are the screen sizes? What are the interfaces that people are used to? Where do they expect buttons to be and how do you make that obvious? So while you can have really nice, fancy design and it looks visually fantastic from a practical perspective, if you're not thinking about how your users is going to uh, are going to interact with it they may struggle to do what you want them to do when it comes to either buying a service or whatever you want them to do on their website or your app you need to think about them so obviously like we touched on earlier it's really important to know who your audience is and there is data that we can get from our digital analytics but speaking to customers clients potential customers and our target audiences are an important aspect of that as well one of the other things that i always try and keep in mind is that as marketers we're often guilty of doing the bulk of our marketing work on our laptops and on our computers so we have this perspective of this is how our website looks this is how our social content looks this is how our email campaigns look but like you mentioned some people are solely well four million australians are solely accessing the internet from mobile devices so it's really important to look at how our website is performing how our content is appearing on those devices as well, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. And we also see such a broad range of devices these days. So we know that people are holding onto their phones longer. 
Uh, so, you know, the screen sizes are changing every year. So what we'll find is that we have some people with, you know, like an old iPhone 5S with quite a small screen and somebody rocks up with a, you know, an XR or something like it, you know, with a massive phone. So understanding what that looks like on multiple devices is pretty important. And like you said, thinking about things like speed and load times, again, if you're designing, got like a 10 gig connection to the internet and everything's loading super fast, it looks great. Uh, think about the person with an old Samsung S4 trying to access your service. What does that experience feel like for them? And also, I guess, not trying to cram too much on the screen. The lines between an app and a website are starting to blur a bit more as we move towards a more of a mobile-first approach to design. And that's where some of the digital data that we have access to can help in those situations because there is the mobile devices report in Google Analytics where we can see not just the breakdown between desktop, tablet, mobile, but also specific device sizes and brands and models as well that can give us more of an insight into what our audience is actually or how our audience is experiencing our online content as well which is important to drill down into another thing that has occurred to me is just in regards to online content is particularly for those mobile only browsers considering how we're delivering content because I know in a lot of you know a lot of websites like to provide information in pdfs which great because they can you know open in a new browser window but if you're actually providing a pdf with the intention of somebody actually downloading it and saving it that's a different experience on a mobile or a tablet as opposed to a laptop where somebody might be a lot more confident with downloading files managing their documents and those types of things yeah definitely i think one of the big challenges for pdfs right now is the assumption that people can print the PDF, fill out a form and then send it back to you. On a mobile device, it's, that's really hard to do. So we have a lot of people who come into the libraries with an email with an attached PDF and they need to fill out a form and they can't work out how to do it on their phone. So it's a long process trying to get them onto a public PC, then trying to get them to log into their email and fill out the form. Remembering then, passwords. Yeah. So, <laughs> passwords are... Passwords are an adventure. So we've had situations where, you know, we run a workshop and someone needs to install an app for that workshop, but they can't remember their Apple ID or their Apple ID passwords. So we're like, that's fine. No worries. Let's reset your Apple ID password, which then sends an email to them and uh, they can't remember the password to their email. And then we spend, you know, 45 minutes trying to work out how to reset their email passwords so they can reset their Apple passwords so then they can access this app, create an account on the app to use it. So, yeah, there's a whole suite of things I think we can take for granted sometimes when we're familiar with email, we're familiar with having to understand passwords or that sort of thing. It's interesting. I guess, you know, on top of what you were talking about with using your data, I think you may be surprised about who's on what Facebook's probably a good example where the demographics are changing and uh, I think there's a lot of discussion about older people using Facebook and that's that's true but they may not be the people who are actually engaged with you. So looking at not just listening to the buzz in mm. the field but actually looking at your own data is really important. Even things like assumptions about gamers. There was some research uh, that was released that the... Um, the main cohort of gamers or people who play digital games are now 
females in their 50s because they're playing mobile apps, right? So mobile apps are It's now, all that farm villain stuff, isn't it? <laughs> exactly right. So Is that even still around? I don't, I don't, I don't really play mobile apps. <laughs> bit of Candy apps, Crush or Sudoku. <laughs> but it's really, you know, rethinking those stereotypes because more people are becoming digitally savvy in different ways that break the mould of what you would consider someone being digitally savvy 12 years ago you know when facebook was fresh the people who were on facebook were the people who were just coming out of myspace <laughs> it was it's all exciting but now the the landscape is so different really using those analytics to understand your cohort is really important and even like you touched on before with brand personas i think it's important to not just specify you know this is our target audience this is the one brand persona but understanding that there are different aspects and you know very different personas within there who have a whole range of different demographics and psychographics and digital literacy potentially as yeah. well yeah i mean for libraries we have multiple demographics and if we approached every demographic with the same marketing approach uh, you know we wouldn't be successful so for the digital literacy sessions there's no point on us promoting to our audience on Facebook and boosting posts and spending money that way because that's not where they are. So in those cases, we invest in print media. So we'll print flyers, we'll do letterbox drops and that sort of thing because we know that from a marketing perspective, your goal is to be where your audience is and, and show them what you have to offer. So it's really about them first and finding out what tools or what channels, what mediums they're comfortable with before investing too heavily in one. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And looking at those types of marketing channels, you know, particularly the, the print collateral, it is still really accessible and really affordable as well. I think, unfortunately, over the years, people have kind of thrown away a lot of that traditional marketing because it's, you know, everything's going digital, but it's still really valuable. I still use printed brochures. <laughs> Yeah. And people love them. People find that it's a bit of a novelty to be like, ah, oh, <laughs> this is actually interesting. <laughs> yeah. I think people still love that tactile, you know, thing. They they can pick up something and it's physical and they can look at it and flip it over. And, and it doesn't um, go flat. Yeah. <laughs> yes. You can pop it in your bag and pull it out when you need it. But, yeah, I think there's there's definitely plenty of space and plenty of time before the world is completely digital, I think you know, all those traditional services are still going to be around. And even though your friends and your family may be a bit more digitally savvy and moving towards that trend, if you're thinking about selling something now or engaging someone now, yeah, those traditional channels are still really valid. So important. So what are some of the practical things that marketers and business owners can do to make their online presence as inclusive as possible? Yeah, so when we talk about inclusivity, online there's a range of different things which that can cover so if you're thinking about inclusion from an accessibility point of view there are some really good guidelines the WCAG guidelines for websites on sort of tags you put on your content all the descriptions put on your images for example because they're really important for people who use screen readers who have low vision so Having a look at those guidelines and best practices is a really good starting point for creating inclusive online presences. The, we'll include the links to those in the show notes as well. And also, excitingly, some of those tags are coming to some of the social channels now as well. So Instagram's recently introduced 
the option to include those written tags on images. Yeah, that's fantastic. I think LinkedIn as well. Yeah. There was another one. There's a couple that have, that have come out yeah. recently. That's always been, well, that's traditionally been the challenge is when you're posting content on someone else's platform where their content isn't optimized for accessibility tools, uh, that's a challenge. So the good thing as well is that all the stuff that you do to improve accessibility also improves your Google rankings as well. And it's, it's great for the bots. So there's that too. You know, you can add captions, you can add subtitles to your videos because, and that's not just for people with hearing impairments, that's for parents who are on their phone while they're trying to put their kids to sleep, you know? So it's... In there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So uh, a lot of the inclusive practices actually work for a whole range of different purposes and I think they really should just be best practice. If you want to learn about the challenges people face, something a little bit more radical if you're, if you're a marketer or a business owner, maybe take a, an hour out of your week or your month and just come and volunteer at a library because, <laughs> you know, you come and see the different types of people who actually come in and, and look for help and the types of questions that they have and the challenges that they face. And then if you can then think about, well, how do I reduce the stress when I'm developing my product or developing my content? How do I help them get to where they need to be as quickly as possible without trying to jump through too many hoops? It's, it's really important. So at the end of the day, the more people that can use the internet more comfortably, the more people you've got who are going to use your online services. So even just being aware and seeing some of the issues is really valuable. Yeah, and I think you've raised a good point just from a general market research perspective. We've gotten yeah. quite lazy in relying on more of the digital data and taking that as gospel. And I was thinking of a um, situation with an organisation I'm working with recently where they sell a physical product and they were saying how long it takes them to get the data back in regards to sales. It's like a three-month sales cycle. <laughs> and I'm just like, why don't you just go into the shop and sit there and wait, look at people as they buy it. Yeah. <laughs> like it's really can kind of be as easy as that. Like take yourself to a place like a library, like another situation where your audience is likely to be and observe what they do and have conversations with them about their experiences. Yeah, it's, definitely. And this is coming yeah. from someone who loves data as well. <laughs> and, you know, I love a good dashboard and I love, you know, I love some good graphs. and <laughs> all that stuff. love a good yeah. dashboard. Yeah, like you said, you you can get some of that really good qualitative research by just sitting and chatting with someone. And I think they'll appreciate it from a customer's point of view that you're making an effort to get to know them. But yeah, you'll definitely pull out stories that might be difficult to uncover purely looking at data or looking at stats or looking at a restricted pool of data that only comes through, like you said, Facebook insights. You're not going to know that that only captures the people who are online, on Facebook. Mm. It doesn't capture all these other people who aren't. So. And in regards to websites, I think it's important for us to remember that where we, when we are testing websites and online content, that we are taking it to the people or asking the people who will be the end users, not just circulating it amongst our team or our existing circle who may have that same level of understanding and level of capacity to be able to navigate a site and find content and understand what a hamburger menu is and those types of things as well. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I think the more engagement you can do in consultation, the better a product you have. And one of the other things that we've talked about previously just in regards to 
this is kind of like less of an online accessibility, but just from a general and literally being accessible to people are, are things like, you know, having phone numbers on websites, making it clear where people can get more information if they are actually struggling to connect with you online or find what it is they're looking for. Don't make it hard for them to get mm. in touch with a real person. Yeah, be contactable is, is really important. We still take bookings over the phone, even though we use Eventbrite for our booking systems and it's great. There's still a good number of people who still call us up and we have to make the booking on their behalf. Sometimes that's just because they want to be confident that the booking's been made or they're not sure about setting up an Eventbrite account or there's all little things that they're not confident with, which is fine because then we can say, well, come along to our courses, we can teach you as well. So <laughs> they do you do training with Eventbrite? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, be accessible. Think about your audience and, and again, what they're comfortable doing. It's great being able to pick up the phone and actually call someone rather than having to deal with a Facebook bot. It's a bit of a novelty these days as well, and I'm reading more and more about you know this new trend on digital for this year <laughs> is actually being human and bringing the human back into marketing. And I'm actually really, really excited about this because I think with all the technological advances we have, this danger in over-automating, relying too much on data and not actually building those real relationships and nurturing those real relationships in you. Sometimes it's not appropriate to send an automated email, just pick up the phone and talk to someone or have that real conversation. Yeah, and I think, you know, the best relationships and the best brand champions you're going to have are those people that you build strong relationships with. And if you can do that over the phone or by personal email or instead of just going with the automated stuff, I think that's really valuable for you. You know, don't forget the the value of actually being a person <laughs> and interacting with other people. <laughs> Note to self, be more sociable. <laughs> well, so thanks so much for that, Ben. That's been really helpful to get some insight into having a different perspective on what we might often take for granted as marketers, particularly those who work in digital and online. A bit more about you now to wrap up with. <laughs> what or who inspires and motivates you? Oh, that's a good question. I think we've got, a, we've got a really good network in the libraries of other people working in this space. And I think you know, seeing what other libraries are doing and seeing the passion that they have for training often motivates me to do the same. You know, when you've got good peers, I think it makes life a lot easier when you're trying to work out, you know, am I doing the right thing? What's going to work? What's not going to work? So, yeah, I, I really like working in the network of libraries that we have. And I, I think that, was, that went for when I was working in social media as well. We had that really good group of people through social media Adelaide and we could just catch up for a, you know, for a beer or whatever and just chat and share frustrations and see what each other are doing and exploring fun stuff. I think that was great. You know, the community is, is really valuable. I think we need to regur uh, I was gonna say <laughs> regurgitate, resuscitate. Resuscitate, the old, the old hashtag. Yeah. <laughs> we need to get everybody back on Twitter and using Twitter again. Yes. Those are the days. Make Twitter back as a nicer place. Everyone's just scheduling stuff on Twitter now. Yeah. I hate it. Hey, we'll be back on Foursquare before you know it. Yeah. Oh, Foursquare. <laughs> yeah. I actually looked at a Yelp page today. Oh, as there well. we go. Look at that. <laughs> and they reminded me of one of my badges. <laughs> I was just like, oh, okay. <laughs> uh, as a lifelong learner, what are you learning at the moment? Yeah, um, I think my constant thing is how to stay focused and be productive and 
try not to be too distracted by things. I'm making an effort to listen to more audiobooks, making more of my commute. So to and from work, I can borrow an ebook from the library or an audiobook, chuck that on and listen to that, which is great. So it's a, it's a great resource. So I don't know what's on my listening list at the moment. I've tried to get into some of the minimalist stuff and trying to think oh, are about Are you it. chucking everything out? Finding no. your joy? I've actually got <laughs> Finding Your Joy as an ebook. Like, I should probably read this. It's so popular. I've watched, talking about streaming services, I've watched a bit of the show on, um, on Netflix. But I think it's more about not necessarily just chucking things out, but for me, it's about focusing. So, leaving things out that aren't necessarily, uh, not necessary, and putting my time and effort into things that really matter. And what is the one skill or area you would encourage others to develop if they want to be prepared to do their best online? I think it comes down to what we were talking about before. It's about being a person. Like be willing to engage and chat and get beyond the marketing speak of, hey, check this out. Actually thinking about what am I doing on whatever channel I am that adds value to the person on the other side of the screen. So the point there is that any business should be trying to solve a problem for the customer. And so you can do that through your product, but you can also add value by additional content on social media that supports what you're doing. It just shows that you know your customer really well, even if it's not a hard sell every single post. So, yeah. <laughs> Which is not what we recommend for social media Correct. marketing exactly as right. well. Yeah. It's social. Remember it's social. Yeah. Yeah. So where's the best place for people to find out more about you? Probably my LinkedIn profile. You can just look up Ben Teo in Adelaide on LinkedIn or Hello Ben Teo. It's fine. I'm happy to connect with people there or on pretty much anywhere. So if you look up Hello Ben Teo on, uh, on Google. <laughs> we'll include all the links in the show notes. You'll find, as well. yeah, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, all that stuff. But if you want to find out what we're doing in the libraries, yeah, feel free to jump onto the City of Marion uh, website and look at um, our libraries and the programs that we offer there. Yeah, you guys have some really fun content as well. I was yeah. really underprepared today. I was like, I feel like I should have a mask or some kind of thing <laughs> ready to do Yeah, some our marketing picture. team are great. They, um, they do a really good job. Awesome. Thanks so much for your time today. No this worries. has been really brilliant. Really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks. Thanks, Ben. Thank you for listening to the Dobcast. I hope you feel inspired and prepared to do your best online. If you enjoyed this episode, I would love it if you could find the time to leave us a review. Your feedback helps us improve and also helps others find us. So consider it your good deed for the day.